The Lord be with you. It's great to be sitting down together to share the Word of God to the transformation of our lives in Christ Jesus. And I might just quickly say that our Bible school on union with the Holy Trinity, uh, our most basic approach to this gospel, this goodest news you've ever heard that is in Christ. Um, and, and it's a Bible school, and it's June 7th. I'm sorry, it's April the 26th through the 27th. Okay, April the 26th and 27th, two whole days when you and I will just sit down together and see what this is to live in union with the Holy Trinity. And I say it's filling up. Uh, actually, honestly, I'm, I'm amazed at how quickly it's filling up. And so if you want to join us there, call our office at 830-460-4000. And they can give you all the information. But for tonight, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 37. And uh, let's read, I'm only talking on one verse, but let's get a little bit of context to it. Fret not yourself. That means don't be anxious and all bent out of shape. Don't fret yourself because of evildoers. And don't be envious toward wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in I am the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, your inheritance, and cultivate faithfulness. And and although I'm not directly speaking of it, it fits something of what I'm going to say tonight that uh, maybe a better reading there, better translation would be feed on his faithfulness, okay? So it says, dwell in your inheritance, the land, and feed, stuff yourself (laughs) on his faithfulness. Then, this is the text I want to look at, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He will do it. And He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your judgment as the noonday. But as I said, that fourth verse, it has gripped me for, well, uh, much of my life, because it, it was one of those verses I read early on in my life, and quite frankly, it just didn't make sense to me. And I wrestled with it, and once it cracked open and the Holy Spirit showed me its meaning, it became a central part of my life. Delight yourself in I am, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, why why was it strange to me? Well, uh, the very idea of delight yourself... That that didn't sit well with where I was back in those days. Certainly, it didn't sit well with the 
church organization around me. But then when I looked at the meaning of that word, what does it mean, delight yourself? Delight. That, that's really not a word we use very often. And then, of course, delight yourself. That, that whatever it meant, sounded very selfish to me because my comprehension back in those days uh, was that, you know, you, you were to uh, do anything but delight in yourself. You began by saying you were an unworthy wretch, uh, not worthy to even lift your eyes to look at the face of God, that you were a sinner doomed and you hung by the thread of his uh, possible mercy and um, delight yourself. Well, that, e- that even sounded selfish. Well, but then, as I say, when I got into the meaning of the word, well, that, let me tell you, this word, its its first meaning, and you can check me out in any Hebrew dictionary, the language of the Old Testament, the first meaning of this word delight is to pamper. Do you, do you know the meaning of that word, pamper? It's, it's usually used in a very negative sense. Uh, you'd speak, use it where you pamper a child, and, and we who look at you pampering the child say you're spoiling the child. Pamper. Uh, this word delight, it means that you are raised and surrounded by an abundance of luxury. Wow, what on earth does this mean? Pamper yourself in the Lord. Surround yourself with an abundance of luxury. We've got to look into this more. You see, the word pamper, the first meaning of delight, what does that really mean? I mean, in plain English. Well, it would mean to fuss over. You know what I mean? That you, you, you're giving constant attention to someone, constant. It's a special attention, special treatment. And in the eyes of the one doing so, it is with love and affection. Um, It is to look after someone well. Uh, And interesting, um, the origin of this word, um, and I'm all into that, to go, how did this word first come into the English language? And it came in way back in the 14th century, and it meant to cram someone with food, um, to to glut them, make gluttons out of them. Uh, And I suppose that was a day when food was scarce, and so if you wanted to shower someone with love and affection, you stuffed them, overstuffed them with food. That's interesting. And of course, that's why I say we read that other phrase there where my New American Standard Version says cultivate faithfulness, but I I believe a better rendering of that is feed on his faithfulness. And that fits in with another Hebrew word, which is all through the Psalms especially, which is satisfy, 
He satisfies you with good things, it says. Or in Psalm 91, the cry of Moses was, Satisfy us with your loving kindness. Now that word satisfy is a just an absolute food word. It's to do with, with um, dinners. I, I don't know which part of the world you're uh, together with me tonight. Um, in England, it would be your Christmas dinner. Here in the States, it would be Thanksgiving. It's it's when there's too much food on the table to eat, but you feel somewhat obligated because of the time of year, and so you stuff yourself. And that's the word satisfy that's used in the uh, Old Testament scriptures. Satisfy. And so here it is. It's saying pamper. That is uh, give over attention. Give a a well-expressed love and feed yourself. I say, what on earth is this getting at? Maybe to understand this word better, look at its opposite. The opposite of pamper is to reduce. That is, cut back on what you give and how you treat someone. Cut it back. It means to confine or limit someone. Take all of the abundance out of it. You're confined. Let's let's come down to bread and water, shall we? That that would be a better. That's the opposite of pamper. Actually, the opposite word is abuse. That is, instead of giving tender, affectionate love, and even to overdo that love in the eyes of others, anyway. Uh, the opposite is then you abuse the person, you mistreat them. Instead of love and affection, you give despising. So, did you see what this word is beginning to mean? Well, I said the the meaning of the word also is to surround yourself with, with luxury. Now, what what's the word luxury mean? Luxury means to live in comfort, uh, live in pleasure. But comfort and pleasure that are provided, and this is where luxury comes in, provided by exceptionally beautiful and expensive things. That is, you're not just sitting on a chair. You're sitting on a chair that that is um, taken to the nth degree of comfort, and and its beauty is handmade. It, it, it's covered in uh, uh, cloth that costs the earth to buy. That is luxury is having an excess, too much excess beyond all basic necessity. And so when we say the word luxury, it involves possessions of great cost and also great difficulty in obtaining. And now you've got it, and so you live in luxury. That's the meaning of this word delight. And it would have a secondary meaning to say you take great pleasure in beauty. You, you, what can I say? You're not content with looking at the mud in the gutter. You you have a desire and an appreciation for beauty. Beauty, in fact, that is beyond 
anything that just is the same old, same old. And this word delight, as you read it in the Hebrew Scripture, is emphatic. That means take exquisite delight in yourself. It means the utmost delight. I mean, if, if the word means going overboard, well, the, the word now has got a stamp on it which says, take going overboard to going overboard. It, it means that you are not only paddling, you're drowning in this. Utmost delight. Heart pleasure. Well, I say again, I have to say it. I mean, delight yourself. Well, that, that means pamper yourself. Pamper yourself, you see. Live, uh, make sure you're surrounded by luxury. This sounds terribly selfish. I mean, I'm getting embarrassed even talking about it. What would you call it today? Me time. It's taking extreme pleasure. It is that gaze upon oneself with recognizing my honor, my specialness. It is giving respect and care, affection, the love of oneself. Yeah, please, don't, don't turn me off, please. We, we've got to, this is here, and it's rooted in many scriptures. And I'm saying that's selfish. Well, there, there's an element, even at a natural level, where where the Bible w- would say yes to what I've just said. Yes. What about Ephesians 5.28? Have you ever read this? No one ever hates his own flesh, it says. And the word flesh there does not mean just this stuff, the, the, the skin that covers me. Flesh in the New Testament means the totality of my natural person, my mortal person. And so it goes deep down into how I see myself. It goes deep down into the thoughts I have and the imaginations I have. That that energy which is me, my personality. Um, so, so it says no one ever hates his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it. Now, nourish and cherish. Would you believe, I I checked this out, and the word nourish and cherish, guess what the first word is in terms of what that means? It's pamper. It's the same word as there in the Old Testament. Pamper. It means to serve and satisfy the needs of my inmost self. It means to feed my body. It means to warm my body, support and comfort my essential self. Uh, Well, there's a lot of people just at that plain natural level that are destroying themselves because they would have a hard job saying... Well, Paul said, no one ever hates his own flesh, his own person. But I find, especially in today's world, that it seems that the accuser himself has 
upped his game. And that voice that goes on within that is continually telling us that we're no good, that, that we, we, no one in their right mind could love us. And if they really knew us, they never would love us. And, and to tell us we're stupid, we're idiots, and we're, you know. I, I know many people that live their life in self-loathing, uh, self-despising, self-neglect. Anyway, I'll leave that. But the, it, it's here that the, the Scripture does turn our eyes to ourself. And, and it, it is brought to its fullest level here. So, delight. Well, it's everything I've just said. But, but also, if you are living in such a condition, it means freedom from all pressure. That is delight. Um, now, nothing to do with delight is according to law. That, that's the point. It goes beyond... It goes beyond must and ought and should. The, the delight means you've stepped into a, a freedom where you go beyond that, and, and therefore it would be excess. It's going beyond why well, you must have this. But if I'm talking of pampering and luxury, you go beyond what you must have to what you want. Uh, it goes beyond the law that says you ought to do this. No, you've gone into another dimension where you are doing what you want to do. No, do you understand me? It's not the, the, this word carries you beyond all of the musts in life and all of the oughts in life and all of the shoulds that society and religion put upon us. It's a, it's a word that describes a place of being and doing what I want to do. Please don't turn me off. <laughs> Look, I, I tell you, have you seen children at play? I mean, uh, the, the, their shouts of joy, their laughter, their... as they run and they play and... That, that, that's, that's delight. Nobody ever sat those children down and with solemn face said, now you must play. Nor going around to the, the classroom saying, now you ought to be playing. No, they, they have gone beyond all those oughts and shoulds and musts, and they are now celebrating their want to. Now, notice the change that comes over the children if you call them and remind them that they must take out the garbage, and they ought right now, in fact, they should right now go to their room and clean it. And immediately the children appear to have the onset of the flu. Uh, immediately the cries of laughter disappear and, and an awful solemnity comes over them. Their legs don't, don't seem to be able to move as fast. You get what I'm talking about. Uh, but that's the difference, you see. That's a, delight is that joy, that, that wondrous release. I'm doing what I want to do. 
And the moment you bring in the must and the should and the ought, then a great solemnity and, uh, what can I say, uh, I was going to say laziness, but it, it's not really, it's just uh, you're dragging your feet because you're doing something that is now away from what you want to what you have to do. And so you could say also that delight is, is the place where there's no fear. The, the multitude of fears that go when you are living at the level of must, should, and ought, the multitude of anxieties when you're just existing on bare necessity, well, that's all gone if you use this word. This word is a place where there's no anxiety. There, there's, there's no threat because you, you, you've got at your fingertips that which can overcome that. It's a place of refuge, you could say. Uh, in a crazy, stressful world, you, you, you have found this place of delight. So, do, do, you, do you see what I'm... Delight is all about being. It's who I be. And I tell you, okay, it is doing. You're doing something. But what you're doing, you're doing what it takes in order for you to be. Okay, let me say it again. I have to, lest you think I'm going off somewhere. It sounds like a recipe for spoiled rotten. It sounds as if it's introducing me to a wasted life, a self-absorbed life. In fact, the very opposite of the gospel. Well, of course, I suppose if we just took the words delight yourself, um, yeah, I, I guess you could end up there. But it doesn't say that, does it? Thank God. It says delight yourself in the Lord, that we have seen over the weeks, that is the, uh, what I believe a poor translation of the name of God, I am. So it, and that, that changes everything. That changes everything. You see, I am the very heart of God himself. God is love, but it is, shall I say, that serving others' love. The, the nature of God's love is to continually give himself away to others. And so, delight yourself in the God who is giving himself away to others' love. So, delighting yourself in him cancels out the possibility of a self-for-myself-serving self-centered, corrupted idea of love. Do you get that? So now I'm really, this is, this is something we've got to delve into, that you are to pamper yourself, to live in luxury, but to do so inside of the God who gives himself away in love. So you are delighting yourself in the vastness, the amazingness, the astonishingness of God's love. It is pampering. It is seeing oneself 
and treating oneself and speaking of oneself inside the joy of His joy in you as you be in the love of God. Did I say that too quickly? To delight yourself in I am is to, yes, pamper and all that I said it means, to fuss over yourself. It is to make sure that you are being fed indeed to the point of being stuffed, that your your very heart fed with the loving kindness and the faithfulness of God, going overboard in all the luxury uh, of a wealth that is beyond all the wealth of this world, pamper yourself, yourself, which, which means that you are going to joy in you, but joy in you with the joy that God has in you. And to be this state of pampered luxury, you be inside the love of God for you. Okay. Let, let, in Psalm 18.1, David says, and I, it's just one of those neatest little phrases. In Psalm 18.1, David just makes a sort of little explosion and he says, I love you. I am the Lord. I, I love you, Lord. I love you. And then goes on to describe God's work in his life. But it begins, I love you. And that word love is a very distinct word. It, um, it really it be- begins and, and is seen best with little children um, in a very beautiful family. Uh, if, you, if you get the image of this little child with arms outstretched, running to mother or to father or to grandfather and leaping into their arms and hugging them and being hugged in a bear hug and the little child saying, I love you. It's, it's a word that is of great affection. It is a word of embracing love. And he said that of God. Come on, come on. He says, it, it, it's, it's here. This person is inside the love of God. He's inside the joy of God that is toward him. And he leaps and says, I love you. I love you. Affection. And it's not only Old Testament. We, we see it in the Psalms and some of the prophets, because that's what they understood. But in the New Testament, actually, it comes to its biggest <coughs> expression. And Jude, I believe it's verse 20, where it says in our translations, keep yourself in the love of God. Well, no, just, just hold it. Um, that, that's pretty much the same, isn't it? Keep yourself and the word keep there is a word which will be guard and protect, um, fuss over to make sure that you're not distracted and forget who you are. Keep yourself. And then it says in the love, which our English word in means this, but it's sort of uh, it, it's it's slid away from what it means. Uh, the the actual word there 
is better understood by saying inside. You see, I am in this recording studio. And um, that means I'm inside of it and everything within it is part of my world right now. Well, it says, God, keep, protect, watch over yourself, yourself inside the love of God. So that's where you dwell. It's your home. You're inside that love, and therefore you are contemplating. You see, keep yourself. You're, You're contemplating that love which God has for you. And of course, Uh, In Luke 15, which is one of the most uh, amazing chapters in the New Testament, maybe in the Bible, because it 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 calls upon so many other parts of the Bible in its its stories of lost sheep, lost coin, lost sons, and at the end of lost sheep and the end of lost coin, when he finds the sheep, finds the coin. Do you remember the word is rejoice with me for I have found my sheep, my coin. Well, um, just a minute. Rejoice with me. So the shepherd is beside himself with joy, which is the meaning of rejoice. But why, why is he beside himself with joy? Because of that sheep that's around his shoulders. Because of that coin in the hand. Rejoice with me. Look, rejoice. Look at this coin. Rejoice with me. Look, I, I, I am beside myself over finding this coin. I'm beside myself because I found my sheep. The rejoicing was because of the sheep being found. It was love that has come to its full expression, uh, found its, shall I say, fulfillment and destiny. This is what I went into the wilderness for. Now rejoice with me, I've found. So this text is spoken to the sheep and saying, in fact, okay, the the shepherd is pampering you, putting you around his shoulders, speaking sweet sheep, nothing's in your ear. Well, go for it, man, and live there, and be there, and and let it sink into you. Well, what about the last of those parables that we call the prodigal son? Well, the, the expression rejoice with me doesn't occur. He says instead, everything they were going to do in order to implement the joy. And so he talks about go and kill the fatted calf and bring in the musicians and the, let's have dancing and singing in the streets. And, and so it says in that case when the, the, the son came home and is in the embrace of his father and the father says, you are my son. And then it says, rope him you know, ring him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Let's go to the feast. And so it says, and they began to be merry. That is, they began to joy with the father's joy that he had in his son's return. But the son joined in the father's joy and accepted the love and accepted the celebration. He was one enjoying, delighting in himself with the joy and the love the Father had toward him. To become, in fact, a son in such a household to take that love which was now toward him and give it away to the world. 
That, that's, that's the picture. Who, who are you? You are, oh, who are you? Look in the mirror and ask yourself the question, who am I? I mean, you, you, you have to recognize Jesus said that he gives us his glory. He gives us his joy. He gives us his peace. And if you doubt it, read John 14, 15, 16, 17, where that is reiterated. My joy I give to you. My peace, he said. I I give you my peace. And then in in chapter 17, in conversation with the Father, he says that he's shared his glory with us. Who are you? You live inside the embrace of God, who is love, And you do so in the Holy Spirit who has taken up residence within you, who is the very presence of the exalted Jesus inside of you. And Father and Son and Holy Spirit are rejoicing over you and pouring their love into your heart. This verse says, join in. Delight yourself in the I am. Rejoice. Rejoice with their joy over you. Rejoice in the love that is now toward you. Rejoice in that luxury because you have an excess of love. There is no container on earth that can contain God's love. And here, God's love dwells in you. Talk about luxury. And you had the wealth of God because of you realized everything this world thinks money can buy, you have it for free. Living inside the love of God. That's another seminar. But, and if you notice this, uh, the legalist, you know, the person who believes we're still under a whole bunch of laws, Religion, which lives in the bondage of that. Have you noticed when you would talk like I just have? Certainly when one would say that you're like a little child leaping into the arms of God for a holy bear hug. Have you noticed how that kind of religion um, that lives by rules they become embarrassed. Have you noticed? They don't know where to put their face. I'm not mocking them now. I'm pointing out the sadness of of where the church has come, that now the whole of the gospel is something one studies, and it, a thing that, that is apart from us, looked at almost as a formula for getting to heaven when you die. But the idea of a relationship, an intimate, personal relationship in which you can say to Father and Son and Holy Spirit, I love you, and to feel the embrace of the Holy Spirit in your spirit. No, religion gets embarrassed. It's awkward around it. It doesn't know what to do. doesn't fit what they call church or Christianity. In fact, if, if you would ever express out loud 
your feelings of love for God, you might be escorted out by the deacons. This is no place for that. They're threatened by such language when it's used of God. And also, there's a certain fear they have, which, how can I put it? They, they feel excluded. And in that is the nagging thought that, have I got it all wrong? Only they rise up usually in anger at it. I don't have time to tell you stories of my involvement with that, where I've had deacons in churches where I pastored who um, spent all their life trying to be good enough for God, and um, then someone comes in out of the drug world, prostitutes, pimps, and they, they discover Jesus, and... Uh, they're beside themselves with joy and rejoicing and loving while the deacons stare with rage, feeling they're excluded from some joy that they can't deny that they're seeing. Anyway, that, that's but you know what I mean? You see, the delighting in I am shows up the deadness of religion, the ignorance of intimate relationship with him. Delight in I am. Delight in him. So in the circumstances of life, whatever's happening out there, whatever pressures and challenges and opportunities that all bring their own pressure, in, in the, the needs that accompanied with anxieties and fears, well, delighting carries me above that, you see. I'm delighting in God, and therefore in, in my delighting God and realization of who I am in Him, all that's taken care of. But you must never think of delighting in God as a denial of circumstances. That is, you're just dropping out of the world, a sort of a, a religious drug. Uh, no, it's not. It's not. You, you are very aware of the circumstances in which you live, but you are even more aware of the God who has poured his very being and self upon you and into you through Jesus Christ, God the Son, the Word of God to you of his love, and God the Holy Spirit that now resides in you, the fullness of God. I tell you what delighting is. It's remembering the beauty of God into this moment. And I think you might have heard me talk about that word remember in, in the Bible. It doesn't mean trying to remember. It means an act of bringing something that is in the past into this present moment that all of its powers and energies and reality might be released into this present moment. So all that he's revealed of himself to be in the Scripture, all that he's ever revealed himself to be in Jesus, I remember that into this moment, that, that I, he loved me, said, but he loved me and gave himself for me. And we bring all of life into alignment with that. Delight yourself in I am. Dare I say it like this? It's as if 
God the Father and Son and Holy Spirit are at this moment saying to you, pull up a chair, relax, and let us enjoy one another to the full. That's what it's saying. You're delighting yourself, but you're, you're, deli- you're pampering yourself. You're, you're bringing a luxurious life for you've discovered that in his love for you. And so you're accepting it into your life. You're letting it be till it's, it's yours. How many times, I don't know, I have said on this program... Um, that, that verse that David used so much in the Psalms where he says in our versions, the Lord is my, or I am is my. That is the fullness, the fullness, the all-sufficiency, the absolute everything of God is my. Did you hear that? You talk about delighting. He is saying that the fullness of God is now actually permeating, wanting, is part of, I'm participating in my life. So all that God is, He is now my you see, the, the person who you, you say, you know, what, what you said blessed me, or when you sang that song, it really moved my heart. And they look at you like a deer caught in the headlights, and they say, it wasn't me, it was the Lord, which is the weirdest thing. Because right there you're saying there's you, and then there's him. So what I do... It wasn't me. Well, I heard you. I I heard it was you. I I suppose you might think that you're like some old sock and God lives inside of you and you're the puppet and he's moving the sock and it looks like you. No, no, no. All that God is, is my. So when I love I love, I love, it's got Malcolm's name on it. Yet, I do it with a wink. I say, I live, I love. Yet it's not I, it's Christ who lives in me. But it's I and my. And when you say that blessed me, I say, thank you. Thank you that it blessed, you told me that, thank you. Because I, I, his blessing is in me and through me and my because there's no separation, you see. It's a seamless joining. That, that's delighting yourself. Did you get it? Uh, delighting yourself is, is not doing a scientific study on sunlight. It is standing in the sunbeam as it comes through the window and you feel its warmth and you have no idea how that happens, but you stand in its warmth. That's, that's delighting. You, you're not studying an it called the sun. You're letting the sun just pour its rays upon you. A sort of holy sunbathing where you are inside of God's love and you just 
be and you allow God's love to fill you until you're, I guess you could say, sunburned with a holy sunburn. Yeah, you radiate that love. Or it is those verses that we've referred to so briefly, but satisfied with loving kindness. You're glutted with the love and kindness of the covenant love of God. Yet you've fed upon his faithfulness by recognizing over and over and over where he's been faithful to you. Or Ezekiel called it swimming in the river of life where, where you're inside the waters of life. Okay. Do, do you understand it? And, and I say this, there are many of you that listen to me as I say to all my Bible school students, um, let, let's, uh, I kind of attract people who want to study and come to the very guts of these things. And I understand that because that's what I do. But I, I never finish studying until I have closed all the lexicons and the dictionaries and and I sit back and delight in the God I have discovered in the Scripture. Because if, if I... If I do, God save me from studying the water of life. I've got to swim in the water, you see. I've got to delight in it and feel its holy wetness on my skin. God forbid I should do a study on the Hebrew word loving kindness and leave it at that. No, I've got to be satisfied. I've got to eat that loving kindness until my whole life now is filled with its beauty and personal energy. Delight in I am, who he is. What he is. See, he is love and his love is the incarnation. His love is the death, the bloodshed, the resurrection, the exaltation of Jesus and of us in him. I am, as I've said, means he's complete. He's all-sufficient. He's fullness that is given limitlessly right in this minute to you. Bathe in that. Bathe in it. John well, wrote the letter, First John we call it, First John, and in chapter 3, let me read it to you, and he is, in First John chapter 3, he is doing this, he is delighting in God. Let me read it. He said, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it didn't know him, and we're so one that how they treat him, they treat us. Beloved, now we are children of God. It's not yet appeared what we shall be, But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. 
And, and that's a quote from my New American Standard, and it says, see what, how great the love. I, at that point, would prefer the older translations, which use a word that's much more to the point, behold, behold what manner of love. And I, I might say that word, that this one translated as how great a love, um, and your older translations say, behold what manner of love. I don't know why they didn't translate what it, the actual word there is in the original language. Behold what foreign kind of love. As if you found this exquisite flower that grows in the tropics, but you found it growing in the tundra of Alaska. And you would say, what is that foreign flower doing here? And John is, is delighting himself in the Lord, that he is loved with a, a love that did not originate on this planet. It doesn't originate in the flesh and emotions of human. Behold, what a foreign kind of love. The Father has bestowed upon us, covered us. Behold in astonishment the tenderness of God toward you. Behold his kindness to you, his gentleness, his goodness, his compassion toward you. And consider the fact that he loves you to union with you, that he dwells in you, entwined with you, closer than your heartbeat, inseparable from you, seamless. And listen to Jesus as he prayed in John 17. He's praying to the Father and he prayed for us. And it's very specific that he prayed for us. And then he says that they may all be one. Listen, I mean, have we ever heard this? Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they, you and I, also may be in us. Look, this isn't something weird I cooked up. I listened to Jesus pray for us. And his prayer is answered when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. That we, listen, he says, Father, I'm in you, you're in me, and they are in us. We live inside of the love of the Father and the Son. And then he goes on, And the glory which you have given me, I have given to them. Look, he said he's given that to you. That they all may be one, just as we are one. One in the Holy Trinity, I in them and you in me. And to know that you love them, Father, even as you do love me. That the love wherewith you love me may be in them and I in them. Talk about luxury. Talk about something that is beyond all cost. 
For you have gained that position through the shedding of the blood of Christ, the blood of God. Talk about lavishing, pampering the riches, it says in, over and over in Scripture, the riches of His grace, the riches of His glory toward you. And just you might want to know that word riches it mean the best interpretation of that word into English today is filthy rich. It means riches where money ceases to have meaning because you have so much. It is a wealth beyond wealth. It's beyond billionaire kind of wealth. He says the riches of his grace that have been, and yeah, the Bible word is lavished on you, luxuriated on you. The grace of God, the love of God that's always coming towards you, always ahead of you to meet you, with you, and behind you to hold you up. Delight yourself. What does it mean? Accept your acceptance. Have you ever done that? Oh, you've heard it preached. You're accepted, you know, through the blood of Jesus. Your sins are cleansed and gone. And you say, yes, yes, yes. Have you ever stamped your holy little foot and said, I accept that as truth. I am accept. I accept my acceptance. I accept my innocence, for I have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And with bold, shameless face to face, gazing with joy upon the Father to say, I love you. And to join in his rejoicing over you. To discover the vastness of the treasure. And just let it be. See, don't do it. Just be it. Just be. Just be. Or could I dare to say, um, take, take yourself, your very heart, you know, your core self, and your thoughts, which are so often full of the accuser's guilty Thoughts, you see yourself ashamed of yourself and guilty and you're not worthy, you're not good enough. Look, delight yourself. Get into a bath of truth. Dare to get into a bath of the love of God toward you. And realize that Satan, the accuser, has been stripped of all authority, exposed as the ultimate lie and liar. And whisper in your heart and shout with your mouth that you accept your acceptance, you accept your cleansing, you accept your righteous standing. Let your thoughts be bathed in God's love. Just think thoughts of his love toward you. Let your imagination see yourself as you stand boldly and without condemnation inside the Holy Trinity. Let it sink into your attitude so that negativity is being cancelled and the ultimate glorious positive of the God who loves you And whenever that filthy self-talk that self-loathes and self-despises and self-abuses, let let it even start. And 
put in God talk, truth talk of who you truly are. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to see your neighbor through the eyes of God's love. Because up until now, you you might have been seeing your neighbor through your own self-hate. And no wonder you're going to take it out on him. Or you see yourself as such a loser and, and so no good that you've got to make your neighbor even worse than you so you at least feel a bit better than him. They call that gossip. And, and, and no, the Scripture says love your neighbor as yourself. Delight yourself in the Lord and you'll find that you now See, you're, you're, now you're confident in your own skin because you recognize that you are the dwelling place of God and you are the exhibition point of his love. So it's safe for you to love your neighbor. You're not threatened by... You, you're not, it, you don't care whether he's better than you at other things or got more than you. It doesn't matter. You are the special of the Holy Trinity. So it's okay. You can now pass that love on because this love that spoils you is the love that must give yourself away and bless the world. So you love your neighbor as yourself. Or as Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. You realize you are incapable of loving one another until you realize that he loves you. How often do you do this? A lot. I, as I say, I, I never study Scripture without ending in delighting myself in the God I'm now discovering more of. But there are times stuck in traffic. Oh, what a wonderful time to take a bath in God, you know? Standing in a restaurant waiting for food, either to go or waiting, you know, for whatever, any waiting time, standing the sunlight and just be loved. I was a counselor to some bankers at one time, long story, but to the, to the point, uh, and that they were, I mean... The stress, the anxiety, the very room had an energy of anxiety as they were moving billions of dollars around the world. And they asked me, you know, how can I ever have peace in all of this? They were believers, but they were killing themselves with anxiety of their job. And I said, I'm going to give you a prescription for a medicine, and I want you to take it. You have to take it on the hour, every hour. This was long, long, long ago, and it was before the days when your watch could tell you time is up, you know. Um, so I said, I don't know how you do it or what, but you, you've got on the hour, every hour, you've got to excuse yourself. It might be a jolly good idea to go to the bathroom, and that's a good reason to get out somewhere alone. And I said, there, just be inside of the Holy Trinity. I said, just stand there 
and say, I am the beloved of God, the Holy Spirit of infinite wisdom, infinite strength dwells inside of me. And his ability is my ability. I am loved and I bring now his love into this situation. And I I had them write it down so they could get used to it. And I said, that's it. Now go back to your work, back to the meeting, whatever you were doing. But I said, on the hour, every hour, just delight yourself in the Lord for just a few minutes. Sometimes it would be a few seconds. But just bring yourself back to Compass North. This is who I am. This is where I live. This is not my world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. But I bring to it now. I am the radiance of God into this situation. As you repeat that, and I meant it to those guys. I said, on the hour, every hour, take your medicine. And the result was that they were healed. It was medicine indeed. They were healed. They came into the living in the peace of God, living in the joy of the Lord, being lovers in this world with God love. You see, as you repeat something, it's simply a a law of your being that it goes down into your subconscious. Your subconscious, it it opens its doors to repetition. And as it goes, we could spend an hour talking about that. It's the meaning of the word in the Old Testament, meditation. It's what the Israelites had to do in their families. But uh, repeat it. Let it go down into your subconscious until it has become your very identity. Well, I've got to quit. Um, We might come back here. I don't know. But I, I send you into this week. I send you into your next days to delight yourself in the I Am who came to you in Jesus, who dwells in you in the Holy Spirit. Just be. Stop thinking about. Stop thinking separate from Him and recognize you're inside of Him and you just be. You just be. You you bathe in luxury, the luxury of God Himself. You, you respond with, I love you, but that's even not the point. It's, it's being loved, and that love causes the response of love. And you're, you're going to be transformed because you were with me for this hour. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, open your eyes to see the truth of what has been said. Open your heart to the joy that God has in you and delight yourself with his delight in you. So I bless you and so I send you into this week. And that is the way it is.